This is the Negro League Podcast with Preach Jones. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Negro League Podcast. I go by the name of Preach Jacobs. Go to Mobetta Soul into code Negro to save 10% on your next order, motherfucker. Um, we got some cool, cool music on there. Got some 45s. The cassette tapes, we are almost out. So if y'all want to support an artist, especially during Bandcamp Fridays, help buy something. We appreciate it. Um, guys, it's been a while since we had the last episode. Thank you guys for listening. There's been a lot of stuff going on, and I'll fill you guys in later. Um, but I have an amazing guest and it's only taken me 10 years to talk to this person again. Um, she is, let me let me put my phone out and get my notes because I want to do this thing the right way. Um, you might have seen her. Uh, I got to talk, talk like I'm like a, a, a reverend. You might have seen her <laughs> on a Super Bowl commercial with Cadillac. You might have seen her in Jesse Borkin's third video. Let me stop. <laughs> um, this is Nakia Phoenix. Uh, she's... Uh, recently became a publisher with Nakia Phoenix Lifestyle Journal, a quarterly magazine sharing inspirational stories and self-care rituals. Um, and she's also uh, my favorite supermodel because you're super. Um, and she's also from my neck of the woods, uh, the Columbia, South Carolina area. So we say Columbia, South Carolina area-ish. People outside of here don't know about Aiken. But um, but yeah, we got you on the pod. Last time I saw you was ColaCon 2012. Then you hit me up and say, yo, I'm in town. And was I'm like, let's catch up. So I'm so glad you took the time to talk to me for a little bit. What's going on? Hey, thanks for having me. You know, it's uh, not too often that I, you know, actually admit that I pop into <laughs> <laughs> the Columbia area. <laughs> <laughs> and, and full disclosure, you was mad cool with it because you was like, yo, yo, are there any like happy hour things? And I'm like, are you in town? And you sent me the shh emoji, you know? And so I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to post any pictures on Facebook or anything like that because, you know, the celebrities have to be, you know, uh, secretive and, and, you know, plus you don't want to be hounded. Which the funny thing was, did I tell you that when we caught up and you were trying to be incognito, when you walked up and left, the lady was like, oh, my gosh, she is so beautiful. She's so amazing. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, you know, I told her she should get into modeling. Maybe I should encourage her to do that. And I was like, yeah, you oh, should. Oh. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, you, you can't hide. <laughs> I mean, I realize that I, I cannot hide. I like to... I like to pretend that when I put on glasses that I'm like <laughs> that'll solve it. Clark Kent and like Superman, but realistically, no, I'm still and, it's still me. <laughs> and let's be honest, the whole Clark Kent Superman thing was always funny to me because all he did was put on glasses. He ain't grown no beard. Then he ain't changed his eye color. He just like well, this will disguise it. And I'm like, really? Like that's all it took is just to put on glasses. <laughs> Exactly. It's like mm, you're still buff like Superman. Exactly. <laughs> you still sound like Superman. You still your hair is very close to. Oh, but see the difference is Superman had a lot of gel in his hair. Ah, that's what and, it was. And didn't do the gel. Yeah. See, see, that's yeah, that's it. The gel will do it. Um, <laughs> I, I got, I got a question for you. 
And this, mm-hmm. is, and this is really interesting because I thought about this um, a little bit earlier today. You know how people say that you go somewhere, you know, you can't take the something something out of somebody. You could put the somebody in another place, but you can't take the something out of them. When you go somewhere, what's the thing that always feels like South Carolina in you when you go somewhere else? You could be anywhere in the world. And you'd be like, yo, there's a sentiment that I have that is so South Carolina. Oh, wow. Okay. So there, there are a few things. Um, I, I absolutely love lightning bugs. Really? And every year I get so excited when they start to come out. And it's obviously only in like the deep country. Are you really going to see them like in their full glory? But when I do see them, I get so excited and people don't understand because, you know, when you tell someone who's from from L.A., there are bugs that fly and their <laughs> butts light up. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? So you would straight up be like dressed up for a photo shoot, see lightning bugs and try to grab like a mason jar to put them in there or something? Oh, my God. oh man. I used to. So as a kid. I definitely used to grab the mason jar and collect lightning bugs. But then my sister's like, you've got to let him go. I'm like, okay, i got to let him go. <laughs> you can't just hold them hostage. Okay, I can't just hold them hostage. I would also collect caterpillars. And I was like, in my kid brain, I was like, I wonder if they'll turn into butterflies while they're in this jar. No, they're not going to do that. <laughs> you just suffocated a bunch of caterpillars. You, you're a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> I put the plastic over it and like punched holes in it okay. so they could. <laughs> wow. But so my my love of of you know little outdoor country, so to speak, things. Um, love of barbecue and do not oh gosh we ran into this <laughs> barbecue do sauce not tell me that you have white barbecue sauce i don't care there is no such there is no such thing as white barbecue sauce that's not real <laughs> that's not real that's fake like what is this uh-uh, no 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 so, so are you a mustard it's, barbecue person okay so i'm not i prefer tomato based word Okay, same here. And interestingly enough, there's only, okay, there used to be a place in Columbia mm-hmm. that I loved to go to, and it had mustard-based, but it was a dry rub, rotisserie chicken. What, what was the place? Birds on a Wire. Where the, really? Where, where was this? It was, it was like off of Divine. Really? And, yeah. Oh, man. It was so... Woo, that food was slamming. Oh my goodness, it was so good. And like the sides that you could get, you could get like a, a side of cheese grits. You could get, you know, <laughs> collard greens or green beans or black eyed peas with rice, you know, the hop and John. I was like, yo, this place is amazing. It's like, it's a fancy barbecue place. <laughs> I, I like the fact that like you you might be a model, but there's like a fat boy spirit inside you because you just got <laughs> you just got excited over a bunch of carbs. Like 
<laughs> there was a yo, yo, there was a meme that I saw. It was a food. It was like a bunch of food that you would see like at a black gathering. It would be like all the the, the cheesy macaroni and cheese, the fried chicken, and the yams. And the meme said, "Black people have the nerve to eat this." And then when they pray, say, "For the nourishment of our bodies." <laughs> right? It's like there's nothing nourishing about this food. This shit jamming though. But it's nourishing. I mean, it's not nourishing. Okay. So so I don't know if you remember this. This is like really back in the day. Remember cafeteria style food places like S. Oh my gosh. Cafe? Yo, yo, S and S um by Richland Fashion Mall and Piccadilly's Nickel. Oh my Piccadilly. god. Oh my god. Yo. Yo. Oh my god. Uh oh my god. S and S used to be the spot, yo, because my mom used to work around Richland Fashion Mall. She'd be like, you want to go to s and And it was like, it felt like a cafeteria, right? Because it was like all the food was like ice cream scoops <laughs> and they'll put it on your plate. <laughs> yes. Which which, which I think that's another Southern thing, a meat and three. That's something that's like specifically Southern that you go somewhere else, they don't know what the fuck that means. Like you go to like s and or Lizard Thicket, you get your protein and you get your three your three quote unquote vegetables. But oh my God. Right. Exactly. Your vegetables. And that's where we get it from as Southerners. Like referring to something that has no nutrition. Oh, listen. All right. My dumb ass. I think when I met you, I was still a vegetarian because I was a vegetarian. I know when I stopped eating meat, I was a vegetarian from 2000 to 2015 and and i think I'm, i met you in 2012 one of the things i think was really hilarious was i thought i was a vegetarian i just wasn't eating meat and so i would tell people as i got older i was a starchitarian because you go to like lizard stick at one of these meat in three places you'd be like oh well i'm not gonna eat meat but let me get the fried squash the fried the fried okra <laughs> the macaroni the yo uh-huh. <laughs> Yo, none of that shit is a vegetable. None of them, there's no leaves. There's nothing green. It is like, it is an abomination. And that's such a Southern thing that I feel like that when I travel. Like one of the things, I don't know if this is a Southern thing or an American thing, but when I went to London, I was at some restaurant. They took us to like this pizza spot. It was really dope. And I asked for a Diet Coke. And when I finished my Diet Coke, I'm waiting for a refill. Them niggas is like, nah, dog. Like, <laughs> you should have, you should have spaced this thing out. And then I thought about like, wow, like the idea of refills and all you can eat. That's such an American mm-hmm. thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so. It is uniquely American. Uniquely American. I I definitely remember having one of those experiences. Like, wait, there. So I gotta pay for this refill? What? <laughs> right? Like, what are we what are we doing? You know? So being gone for a while, and and like you're from Aiken and but but you went to school in Columbia, um, University mm-hmm. of South Carolina. And and Go cops. Yeah, game cops, yay. Um <laughs> you know, people people don't understand how pissed I used to get like at Clemson. I used to hate Clemson when they was winning them national championships and people from outside of South Carolina be like, Well, aren't you happy? It's it's another South Carolina team that won. I'm like, nah, motherfucker, like I don't nah. Like there's no happiness that's coming if Clemson wins just because we're from the same state. Nah. Um Exactly. <laughs> they don't understand the rivalry. Oh yeah. Like I remember someone introducing me to, like, I was at a party. Someone introduced me to someone else from South Carolina, and automatically, and this doesn't, this does not happen when I'm in, you know, in other places, mm-hmm. or this doesn't happen when I meet people from other states. But when I meet someone from someone from South Carolina, I immediately say, 
So where'd you go to school? <laughs> I'm, I'm sizing them up. Exactly. <laughs> they do not say if they say Clemson. I'm like, oh, I, mm, I'm so sorry for you. I'm yeah. so, so sorry you made the wrong choice. Yeah, this like 20 percent of you that I could have liked more, but I just don't <laughs> like it's never going to be the same. You know, right? Yeah. I, I, or when I uh, lived in Atlanta, people assumed that I was a Georgia fan, uh, and I'm like, I'm I'm sorry. You you think that I would? <laughs> why would I date? Why would I dare? I'm from, and then I go into you know the whole, or even mm, this is a really good one. Being living in LA. If you say you go, you went to USC. They think, yeah. And that's when I go into my. It's a it's a very short spiel, but it's like, oh, hmm, California wasn't a, even a state, but in 1801, <laughs> <laughs> the University of South Carolina was established as South Carolina. <laughs> Um, we're the Gamecocks. So, yeah, the real USC was founded in 1801. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, whoa, you just got serious real fast. Yes, yes, I did. Which yes, which, I did. which is hilarious because I think people would assume with your profession that that you're an L.A. girl, which L.A. is always, to me, it's a bunch of, like, transplants. It's a bunch of people from other places that go there. So, like, the fact that you have this really thick Southern background is really kind of hilarious to me. So like, so, so here's the question that I have. It's like, you know, visiting, visiting the area again, visiting Columbia again, after not being here for so long. Um, what, what do you notice as an outsider looking in? Right. Because I, I've been here so much that I'm so attached to the city that I might not see the things that someone coming, coming in will see. It's like, if you used to write a paper, they used to say, get somebody else to, to kind of like proofread it because you're so attached to it that you're not going to see the mistakes that's in it. So what are some of those things that you see um, after not being here a while that's different about Columbia, positive and negative? Um, so when I was driving around, I noticed, of course, everything still gets sleepy in the summertime when, you know, summer school's in session, but everyone isn't on campus. Mm -hmm. So that didn't surprise me. Um, it surprised me when I'm driving through the Vista and I see that all of these like beautiful buildings are now these big chain restaurants. Mm, mm -hmm. Oh, that used to be a, you know, insert mom and pop place here. And now it's a, you know, insert big chain you know, thing here. And that was really disappointing. Um, there was, I was in, um, I was in five points and I have this like nostalgia around a couple of places in five points. What are they? The, that, the fact that Harper's is no longer They're gone. there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that hurt my heart. Oh man, they had a dessert that was so killer, and I looked forward to having it again. And, 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 and what's what's the second one? Yesterday's. Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! Yeah, that like you know things things change. There was there was this um, 
this cool little like hippie shop on the second floor of of this building and now it's a Starbucks. I was like, oh the hippie store joyful alternative? Yeah. 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 I hate to be the bearer of bad news. The woman that uh opened that store, I think she passed away about a month ago. Oh gosh. Yeah. It was you know, when you see places like that in, you know, small southern cities, you get really um you feel like you're connected to something that's bigger mm-hmm. than you, a culture that's, you know, outside of the culture that you grew up knowing. Mm-hmm. So going to shops like that, it was like, oh, there's incense and there's crystals and there's this. And that's all the stuff that I that I use and sell now. Yeah. So if I hadn't come across it then in college, then... I think I would have been looking at, at it like, oh, what is this hippie, new agey, you know, shit? Like, what is this? But now I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that's, it's an integral part of me. And so I remember that place because it helped introduce me to. Yeah, I think, I think what I, ultimately like small businesses is a big deal, right? Because it's like you can go to a L.A. and there's chains all over the place. It's like, of course, there's like Starbucks on every corner, but you want to find like, the independent coffee shop, you know what I mean? That, that, you know, these people, that type of thing. And, and five points is really, really big for that, you know? So I, I would also wonder, you know, when you're coming back here to Columbia, being away for a bit and, and having your career, a lot of times when we come back home, you know, home feels different when different things happen. Right. It's like, I know in 2020, um, when everything was going on with George Floyd and it was the Black Lives Matter movement, I felt different at home. And I mean at home, I mean like in America, it feels a little bit different where it's like, wow, you know, these things feel different. Or or this past year when my parents were sick with cancer, I was like, that was like one of the rare times in my life. I'm like, I'm glad I'm in Columbia to be close to my family. And there's these mm-hmm. moments when I travel and come back it really makes me want to find more about my family, more about my roots, more about where I come from. Um, tell us about that discovery when you're coming back home, um, the journey of trying to figure out and find more information about who you are and where you're from and, and what that looked like. So I have this running joke that whenever I come back to South Carolina, I meet a new cousin mm-hmm. <laughs> or I meet, member and I wish I could say like it's a joke but it's actually true (laughs) (laughs) it's actually true I mean my oh gosh you know families are so colorful and everyone has their secrets but it's like is it really a secret if everyone knows about it we just don't actually talk about it but we all know it exactly (laughs) (laughs) And so I think that um, I think that we need to get more vocal um, about these secrets. We need to, you know, share some of these things, especially when um, family members are getting older or they're passing away or someone gets sick. We need to we need to get back to our oral tradition. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really thankful for the folks in my family. And it's funny that I say folks because I 
<laughs> it make you feel old saying that shit, right? <laughs> well, I feel old, but when okay, once upon a time, I used to be a TV news producer at WLTX. Oh, that, you know what? That is right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, <laughs> so, and so hold on. You were a producer, but you weren't on the camera. Right, I was not. On that the was air. the biggest mistake they ever made. It's like you had a fucking world-renowned future supermodel, but she's behind the camera. Whoever's there, I hope y'all are fired. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> so, I I realized that I needed to use some uh, some colloquialisms mm-hmm. as, as I pronounce that word um, to make it feel to make the writing feel more. Um, personal and to feel more, you know, like down home South Carolina. So one of the words that I often threw into things that I never used was folks. Ah, that's it. That's it. (laughs) So so when I, when I casually say it now, I'm like, oh my gosh, (laughs) did I really just say folks? Yes, I really did just say folks. (laughs) You sound like somebody's granny. Speaking speaking of which, you you were showing me some footage. You said your grandmother's in her. She's like a hundred and one now. Yeah. So, oh my goodness, I spent time with my grandmother yesterday. She's so funny. Um, she, you know, she's she is yes, she's a hundred and one. Wow. In August, she will be one hundred and two. August what? When's her birthday? Oh gosh, I'm about to mess this up. Uh-oh. It's either the they're the 16th. I always, oh, okay, okay. I always get these numbers mixed up. My birthday's but, um, August 23rd. I was hoping that we had the same birthday. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't have a connection. But anyways. So Ada Bryant McDaniel was born <laughs> in August of <laughs> 1920. Wow. Whew. Let me tell you. My granny is... She is she is the thread that keeps our community together. Mm-hmm. She's the mother of our family church. She is the one who I mean when, you know, Jesus and the fish and the loaves and all of that, mm-hmm. well, he definitely passed that recipe on to my grandmother. <laughs> Just feed like so many people. She always, if someone stopped by the house on a Sunday, which they always did, mm-hmm. she always had food for them, always. And I was like, how does this woman do this? Mm-hmm. But she does. And even now, in her old age, and she's, you know, talking and telling stories, she has dementia. So, you know, she ebbs and flows in and out of, of you know, this reality. But, she's even yesterday she was like well you know i gotta i gotta get i don't know whose house i'm at but i gotta get home because i gotta cook dinner for the family and i got some cleaning to do (laughs) i was like granny i think you're fine i I don't i don't think you got anybody to cook well i know somebody's coming over so i gotta make sure i at least got a pot of rice ready wow chicken you know like that's that's how she was raised so that's you know that's still what she says and like it's ingrained in her yeah and she's she is like i said she's the thread she's the she's the thread of our family of our community and i mean who the stories that she has and in her old age the 
stories that she has been sharing because her inhibitions are, you know, kind of fading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, look, I, I can say what I want now. I ain't got to have a filter no more. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes there isn't a filter. She started to tell a story about my grandfather getting fresh with her one day. And I said, ooh, okay, Green, I'm just gonna, I got to stop you right know what? there. <laughs> yo, let her, yo let, her, let, her, let her get it off, man. Let her, let her let y'all know. She got that shit. She holding that in. She got to let it off, <laughs> man. It might be slightly uncomfortable, but it's important. Like, here, here's, here's what you have to do. And I think because you seem to be the one in the family, because I go through this, you seem to be the one in the family that that understands the importance of all this, right? Because what we don't realize is my grandmother was the one, you know, before Facebook, she knew everybody's motherfucking birthday. She was the person you'll go to. She knew when people were born. She knew what they, you know, um, where they were born at, when they died. Like she was, you know, how's the saying goes that that in, in our culture, when someone passes away, they say, a library goes up in flames, right? Like yeah. that's 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 how they feel about it. And one of the things I noticed about my grandmother, and I'm interested in seeing like your relationship with the elders in your family. You know, my grandmother, when I was growing up, I, I wanted to be Alex Haley. And I used to have this joke with my mom. I was like, yo, if I was Alex Haley, I could never have written Roots because nobody in the family wanted to talk about a lot of this shit because it was so fucking painful, right? Like it was a lot of those mm-hmm. things that, that happened to them where they were either ashamed of it or it was just hurtful. You know, when you talk about Jim Crow South and all this stuff, it was really, really difficult. And the anniversary of the last conversation of my with my grandmother, I remember, it was, it was the 4th of July weekend in 2017. It's the last conversation I had with her. It's weird because if I asked my grandmother these questions, she wouldn't tell me. But this random day, she just she just had time and she just started talking and she started talking to me about when she was a little kid. Her great grandmother used to live with her family and her great grandmother was an enslaved woman. And it and it put it in perspective for me. It's like, oh, fuck. You know, we think that slavery is this like you know six degrees of separation or whatever but if my grandmother interacted with an enslaved relative and i interacted with my grandmother it's one degree of separation right and Mm -hmm. and and so like i was in this weird space with her where she was just talking and i was just like i can't get up because she never does this so whatever she's telling me let me take these notes down and it became one of those things that it was like this this goal that I still have that got really, really frustrating where it's like when you don't have relatives that are telling you a lot of this stuff or you have relatives that when you have elders in the family that you don't think it's important to write a lot of this stuff down, we just kind of like, oh, yeah, granny know all this stuff. But when they pass away, you're kind of scrambling to find stuff about mm-hmm. your family, you know, um, yeah. How how yeah. forth how forthcoming were the elders in your family? Was this something that you had to fight to get information, or was it always this welcoming thing for people to talk to you about, you know, where you came from and who you are? So I was fortunate enough to, um, because my specifically my mom's side of the family is very big on family, mm-hmm. very big on family. When my grandmother was about to turn 100. They started um, a family Zoom every Sunday. Mm. And interestingly enough, my grandmother's siblings 
all moved, you know, great migration, moved to Chicago for, you know, better jobs and all of that. But they sent their kids down south for the summer. Mm. So my grandmother, my granny, was the one who took care of them. And that started the pipeline of, you know, this this family connection, regardless of how, regardless of the, the distance between us. So even I think about my mother and, oh, my goodness, you know, I remember as a kid, my mom saying, oh, we're going to go visit ain't this, ain't that, aunt, blah, blah, blah. And don't ask me why some aunts are aunt and some aunts are aunts or ain't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it just depends on the name. But um, she would have us, oh, and cousin, which my grandmother, um, some people call her Kaneda, and mm. it's cousin. And it took me a very long time as a kid to understand that that's what they were saying. Because, you know, Southerners, we truncate a lot of... So you have a cousin named Kaneda? No, my grandmother okay. is referred to as Kaneda. Kaneda, okay. <laughs> Granny Canada, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but growing up, we had we had a cousin named Cousin Susie Bell. And I was like, who is Cousin Cousin, Su- Cousin Susie Bell? What? <laughs> who is this? <laughs> However... Now that I'm older, I'm grateful that I know who she was and that I met this woman because when I started doing, you know, my own research into my ancestry and I would see her name and certain people that she was talking about, I could say, okay, yes, this, this is family. And let me, let me research this a little bit more and, you know, see who else was in the neighborhood and around the area on the census report. But if I didn't know those names, mm-hmm. my grandmother didn't introduce me to people. If my mother didn't introduce me to people, then I would have no idea that these people are family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the census, so the census reports. Did you go to like the um, South Carolina archives or Ancestry dot com that type of thing? Um. Yes. Yes, I did. I I definitely deep dived. Um. But I've also found that um another you know, easy way to do this is to look at death certificates mm, Yeah, because the death certificate is not just going to say cause of death, but it's going to give specifics about who the mother was, who the father was, mm-hmm. who was, who was with the deceased when they passed. Mm-hmm. So when you're able to see that, it's like, you know, you can put more information together and you're like, okay, like, for instance, I know that there were several family members that, that passed away in my grandparents' house. Wow. And I'm like, you know, I had to ask my mom, wait, so uncle so-and-so, oh, so when did he, oh, so he didn't have any other family or some sort of disagreement happened so he was staying with y'all for a little bit and this is you know this is how he passed huh interesting and then like you see you're able to see like mother and father's name listed because there are a lot of black people older black people who are not going to have birth certificates but they will have a death certificate wow yeah well the funny thing you're so spot on about that it's like my father's birthday was last week and 
when someone asks how, how old my dad is, I said he's either 69 or 70 because his year of birth always interchanges between 1952 and 1953. So I have no fucking clue when he was born. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, yeah. And, and, that, and that becomes one of those things where it's just like, you know, some of the, some of that stuff that you think is so far back and so long ago, both of my parents picked cotton. You know what I mean? Both of my parents went to segregated high schools. And and I, and I would like, when I look at my parents, they look young, you know what I mean? Or young-ish, diet young, you know? So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> not quite young, but you know, less calories. But um, I, I think, <laughs> here's something that, that I'm interested in um, about you. And and I, I know my mom and I, we were talking, like for her birthday, I got her the, the Viola Davis book. And another, you know, mm-hmm. South Carolina legend, and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and my mother had a lot of things that I think resonated with her because, you know, there were both these black women that grew up in the rural South Carolina, and they were mm-hmm. brown skinned women, and mm-hmm. and I would hear these stories, and my mom would tell me about how just rude and just just kids were just assholes growing up, you know, and Viola mm-hmm. talked about a lot of that stuff too, and so. One of the things that I love the most about hearing those stories about my mom and hearing, and hearing those stories about Viola is that when you see them in their fullest of splendor and how great and amazing and dope they are, I know what they had to go through to become that. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and I know that you're the world-renowned Nakia Phoenix, which is your real name, which I thought was, I so thought it was a stage name, but <laughs> right? it was like, it's like this black girl from Aiken, South Carolina with freckles. Her name was Nakia Phoenix. Yeah, sure. Um, but, but I say that to say, you know, I'm looking at the work that you're doing and I think it's, I think it's remarkable. I think it's really, really um, important when, when we're talking about self-care, self-love, um, your mantras, your rituals. Do you, even if you've accomplished a lot of these things in your professional field, do you feel comfortable in your own skin? And if you do or don't, what did that process look like? Oh, I do. Oh, wow. I do feel comfortable in my own skin. Um, I can jokingly say, like, you know, in the winter time, I wish I could get a tan, but (laughs) I can be honest about, about my beigeness, I guess. (laughs) The beige crew, man. We are, we part of the beige gang. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I know that you know. Yeah, I didn't, I definitely didn't always feel comfortable in my skin at all. And, you know, when I look at, I was looking at old pictures of my mom and I realized that, you know, we, we're basically the same person. Mm-hmm. Cause when I see her, um, I see this woman who looks like the older version of me. Um, the pictures of her when she was younger, we, have the same mannerisms and stand the same. Uh, and she also has a face full of freckles. Now keep in mind, she also was teased as a child for having red hair and freckles, for wow. being very different. And I was teased the same. So it's like, oh, even though there's 31 years apart, 31 year 
difference between us, we still experience the same thing. Mm. And when I was going through all of my, you know, the teasing and, you know, kids picking on me, um, my mother was able to see herself uh, in my situation because, like I said, we're the we're the same. Um, but man, I wanted to, I wanted an invisibility cloak, mm-hmm. and sometimes I still do. Um, not because I don't want people to see me, but I really enjoy spending time by myself, but people watching. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you were like some people like during the pandemic when the whole world shut down. You was like, yes, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm, sweatpants forever. Amazing, this is great. We can get back in touch with ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Um, yeah, other people were definitely not like that. Um, but back to, <laughs> back to being comfortable in my in my skin. Um, oh man, there have been even in my profession as a model and commercial actress, there have been times that I have heard someone say, "Well, why can't she be more? Why can't she?" And I have been able to say. She is right here. Mm-hmm. She can hear you. Yeah. I am I am a real person and this is how I look. This is how I show up. I can't change this nor do I want to. Besides, didn't you hire me to be exactly me? Exactly. Because when you audition for things like yeah, it may say like, you know, um the character's name is blah blah blah, but at the end of the day, most of the paperwork says going in for the role of herself. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm going in for the role of me, aren't I just going to be my best me? Aren't I just going to be my real me, which is one in the same. In a weird way, does that, does that make it easier for your field of work that, that since you have such this amazing, like, you know, the freckles were amazing that I think people assume they weren't real, that if someone's hiring you for a job, these motherfuckers are like, I want you for this. You know what I mean? Where I think that if someone didn't have such a distinctive feature that it might open the door for people to be hired to change who they are more, to be more malleable. It's like in a weird way, as 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 superficial as we think the modern world might be are you in this weird space where you feel like you can probably be yourself more than other people that you know that are in the field? Yeah, I I do. And um, part of that is when I started modeling, I was 25 years old and that's when so many models actually stop modeling. Wow. So I came in having had a whole other career (laughs) before that and Um, a stronger sense of self. I mean, obviously my sense of self right now is like, Ooh, all time high. Mm -hmm. But I remember, I remember agents saying like, Oh, well, if you just did this, if you just lost a little weight, if you just covered, if you did this, if you straight, like, you know, all of these things. And I was like, I am what I am and you get what you get. I'm not changing me. And I'm not going to, you know, lean and bend to make you happy. Do you think you would have been that way if the fame or the 
the attention in that field would have came early that if you think if someone came to you when you were like 17 like oh only if you do this you might have been like maybe i should change you know what i'm saying like is there like a blessing in disguise to come into a field a little bit later because you have some patina (laughs) you know what i mean you got some you got some experience under your belt um definitely I wanted to model when I was a teenager and I remember going to all those model searches, those mall model searches. Mm -hmm. And when it came down to like, you know, the big competition, you know, figuring out like, are you going to make it and who wants to sign you? um, Those hoops were too big for me to jump through. Mm. And like, I thought about it like, Oh, well maybe if I, and I'm so glad that I didn't because I wasn't secure enough in myself to be able to say no, to be able to say, yeah, I'm not going to starve myself. I'm not going to cover up what makes me me. Um, this you, is You're definitely not going to starve yourself as much as you got excited to talk about barbecue 30 minutes ago. Oh, man. Because <laughs> most bottles would be like, I'm just going to get some ice. <laughs> well, you do love ice, but still. I love ice. <laughs> Good crushed ice. Oh, my goodness. Great crushed ice. Um, but no, I, I enjoy eating. And I do remember this one agent um, who was like, okay, so you like, let's get you on this like crazy workout. Like it works with all of my girls. And, you know, he wanted to um, sculpt my body differently. And I just looked at him and I was like, you're a retired model, aren't you? And he said, yeah. I said, you realize that I'm older than you. Wow. Right. I'm still working. I'm also a black woman and I know my body. So this workout that you give your little white girls doesn't work for me because it's actually going to make me more chiseled. Like, like when (laughs) it's going to give me Michelle Obama arms (laughs) and, you know, Angela Bassett from what's love got to do with it. Like I'm great with being cut, Mm -hmm. but that's not what you're trying to go for. And he was just stunned. I was like, I know myself. I know myself. I'm really thankful that, I do know myself after, you know, all of these years after not actually loving myself and not appreciating, you know, who I am and the journey that I've gone through. um, I know that I love this me. I love her so much. I think people have this misconception thinking that since you're in the field that you're in and being called like, oh, my gosh, she's so pretty. Like, like you hear that every day. And it's like people would assume that that has always been the product that you've always felt like I'm this, I'm that. Um, But there's this great Miles Davis quote where he said, it took me a long time to sound like myself, you know? And as somebody that makes music, like I understand that shit, right? Because I can hear shit that I made years ago and I cringe because, you know, you're trying to figure that shit out. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, so you start emulating people that you like, but you never sound like yourself. And then one day you're just happy with who you are. Um, mm-hmm. what did that process look like for you? Like, like, like how did that, how did that, you know, the caterpillar, the caterpillars used to put in the glass jar. How did you become the butterfly in the sense of you feeling like 
you might not have been beautiful enough, worthy enough, or not happy with the version of you that you were to the person now where you're like, man, nigga, I know nothing to shit. Give me, the, give me them ribs. You know what I'm saying? Like, how did that, how did that happen? What did that look like? And, and was there a moment where there was a switch where there was like that moment of clarity when it hit you? Hmm. What was that moment of clarity? Um, I've had a lot of moments of clarity, mm-hmm. you know, moments of like, it's like when you're watching old films and there's that little, the little circle that comes up in like the upper corner to let you know to switch to the next film. Mm-hmm. I've, had, I've had a lot of those. <laughs> Word. Like, next film you know it keeps blinking until you switch to the different the next reel you know yeah. <laughs> um yeah i remember as a, as getting teased a lot growing up here in the south mm-hmm. and for being different and feeling like i didn't quite fit in and there was this one trip to new york and I remember walking down the street and someone said, my God, you're beautiful. I had never heard that growing up in my life. How old were you when you heard that? I think I was like 18. Wow. 18 or 18. And I was like, wait, are you talking to me? Like I had gone to modeling competitions before that, but that was the 90s. And the 90s were uh, were really about being an individual and being an individual and modeling and in fashion. So I knew that I looked different, but I didn't necessarily think that I was beautiful. Mm. But when I took that trip to New York and someone said it, I was like, wait a minute. Like the confidence started like, oh, huh. Okay, there, there's something there. There's something, yes, there's something different, but there's something else there. And it was just like a few, you know, just a, a few different situations that were like, oh, like my actual modeling career started when I went to a coffee shop to get coffee and bagels one morning and I was wearing a vintage t-shirt and like a hat pulled down over my face and the owner of a big t-shirt company came up and started talking to me about my shirt. And then he looked at me and saw my face and was like, hey, do you model? I was like, at the time, like, no, I thought about it, but no. And he was like, I'm shooting, you know, the new campaign for my, I mean, that was a moment. Yeah, That's the moment that like sparked my actual modeling career. And it was like, I was just out getting coffee one morning. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It feels, it feels more real when it's something that it happens organically like that. Right. Because it wasn't you putting on a dress at a, at a gala or something like that. It was like, all right, I'm gonna put this hat on. I'm just gonna get some coffee. And, and for people to be able to see that, even when you're not trying, I think those are the, not saying that we're searching for, um, you know, confirmation from people, but it's certain affirmations that you get that the universe puts you in that right direction. So, Oh goodness. Yes, absolutely. I shot, um, I shot a commercial 
last year and I hadn't shot like a national commercial in, in years. And when I got the script for the audition, I laughed and I was like, well, this is what I do every day because the script was just, it was me saying affirmations, but about food. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, listen, don't come to me with no white barbecue sauce, you know, DoorDash, you know. No, it It was like, you know, I, on my, on my Instagram stories, I've been saying affirmations like almost daily for the past six years. Mm-hmm. And so when I got the script and it's just me saying affirmations about eating food and eating healthy food, I just, I laughed. And I was like, this is already mine. Mm. And it was, I mean, I, I booked it and I was just like, you know, I get to set and I'm like, just doing what I doing what I do. <laughs> <laughs> and the client was like, yeah, we really like it when you do this like sophisticated over the top. And I was like, well, how else would I say it? <laughs> <laughs> right. My inner, inner Eartha kit came out. <laughs> and who's also, who's also from South Carolina. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something in the water with it. Right. Where I think, and, and I'm, and I want to ask more of what you're thinking about this, where it's just like, yo man, there's something about because listen first and foremost do you know about this Earth Kit and Harry Belafonte shit oh no no hold on do tell nigga I need to get you the Earth Kit book because she talked about she was calling all these niggas out in the book she was calling out she called out Harry Belafonte she called out like Sidney Poitier and she called them out specifically because she was madly in love with Harry Belafonte. Like they were they were dating, they were together. And I think it's really interesting. And I love Harry. But Harry is known as this civil rights activist. He was really close with MLK. And he becomes the voice of a movement now, you know. She said that when she was dating Harry Belafonte, he was like, Yo, don't don't get too serious with me because a black woman can't do nothing for my career. And that broke her. Right. Imagine being madly in love and somebody say that. Right. And so I think that kind of gave her that energy to just to be like, yo, I'm going to drop y'all niggas before y'all drop me. And she became this very powerful. Like she was so ahead of her time. Right. Like the way that we would look <laughs> at, you know, a lot of these like female hip hop stars and stuff like that, that are really, really confident because she owned that shit. But I feel like there's something about South Carolina that for better or for worse it trains you for that shit it's like if you can survive coming from this era and this area that you can go anywhere and be like oh this ain't nothing you know what i mean like audition at for for commercial ain't shit because i went through this like what do you think it is about being from here that helps you with all the shit that you are whether it's your career, whether it's your personality, whether it's where you see yourself going. What do you think specifically, if there was something that you can pull out the sky that being from here did in that regard, what was it? And let me apologize to my listeners. This is a very, very highly South Carolina specific podcast. 
If y'all expecting <laughs> us, if y'all expecting us to talk about shit from Brooklyn, y'all gotta listen to another episode. <laughs> yo, 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 what's the favorite bodega, my nigga? Like that's not happening in this episode. So, so, oh so South Carolina shit. Like, what, what, what do you think it is? And because it has to be something in the water. Because when you start like going backwards, you start to see there's a lot, a lot of people from here that people don't know that do a lot of great, amazing things. So, what do you think it is? Listen, it's like, it's our tenacity. It's our resilience. Like, the fact that beautiful things can grow from this, from this place, from, I mean, I'm from Aiken and there's like red clay everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, oh gosh, muscadines and like all of the things that grow wild. <laughs> Out of this, yeah, that's another that's another thing that I get excited about. Woo! As long as you don't get excited about cicadas, them shit scare the fuck out of me. <laughs> oh, I, oh my gosh, I love cicadas; they're amazing. Like they just sound... <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> off subject. Back on subject. Um, our tenacity, like certain things, are not supposed to be able to grow from from the soil that's here, but it does. Mm-hmm. Like. And it pushes through. And that's us. Like, we've had to... Oh, gosh. There's a... I'm going to take it back. I'm going to take it back to early 2000s. Being... Ooh, Confederate flag. There was a violent march when the Confederate flag was moved from the top of the state house mm-hmm. dome mm-hmm. the monument right in our faces and mm-hmm. thankfully so glad it's not there mm-hmm. when that happened the NAACP organized a silent march mm-hmm. and we were all in white and we were just walking together just I mean there were so many mixed emotions yet it's a silent march we're not shouting we're not saying anything and there are these people, racists, who are coming up in our faces while we're marching. And I'm, I'm holding, holding the hands of little kids around me while these racists are yelling in our faces. But we're not saying anything back. We're just looking straight forward as if they're not there. But still holding it together and our dignity and our pride is keeping us in this space knowing and keeping us focused that's what being from south carolina is like when you were a black person you've got all these things yelling at you going against you telling you to go back home but you know that your home is is this place so you still gotta rise through the rubble you still gotta break through the clay and blossom I'm I'm not crying. You're crying. Um. <laughs> All right. Well. Yeah. God damn it, nigga. That's that's what's in the water. Yo, you got me. That- you have me at my peak light skin right now. I am completely flushed in. Ugh. All right. Well. <laughs> I felt the ancestors on that one. Absolutely, like- yo, man. 
do yeah. do do people when you when you get when you're in like LA and places like that this those things come up the ancestors come up and and that connection of people before you is that something that happens in a place like that? Yeah, it it does. It does. Um it comes through when you get you get people together and you cook for them. Mm. Um I remember having a brunch at my place with some some friends, some women, and I was I mean, I was dressed, but I was in the kitchen cooking and I was making like shrimp and grits, chicken and waffles. I mean, I'm throwing down and people were surprised. And I was like, (laughs) well, where do you think, you know where I'm from? And they're like, but I didn't know. I'm like, you know where I'm from? Why would I not know? Exactly. (laughs) How to do all this. Like, so that's, you know, that's when it's like, well, this is what my granny did. And this is what, you know, her family did before her. And this is, you know, this is what black people do. We commune and fellowship around food. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what we do, man. Which I think you, you have like several TV shows in you. Um, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, <laughs> and I'm me, uh, we're going to figure that out. Um, I, I would say when when you're coming through here, and, and I'm gonna wrap this up in a second because I know that took up a lot of your time, and your cat is probably annoyed with you by now. No, 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 no. he's he's asleep, so we're good. Okay. <laughs> um, what things do you feel from being back here that you feel like need to change, or that you wish, you know, would would progress, but you feel like it's going backwards? Mm. Who? Yeah. Um certain symbols certain symbols of oppression mm-hmm. why are they still standing mm-hmm. why are they still here who are we honoring with these symbols like when i drove by the state house when we were getting together for for some drinks the other day mm-hmm. it's still oh it was still you know, a little soft spot for me. Mm-hmm. Like, plenty of marches, plenty of MLK days at this place. To talk about, you know, justice and freedom. But I don't, I don't know. I don't really, I don't see, I don't see the wealth of this state being shared the way that it should be. And that's really disheartening because when you think about the culture of South Carolina, yo, that culture, that culture came from us. Mm -hmm. So why are we not getting the respect and the honor that we should? Like, I'm going to call out a place. The fact that Maurice's barbecue is still standing. Dog. (laughs) It's like... I'm, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. You have to be kidding me. Yeah, yeah. There was a. I tell you something funny. There was a um back in 2019 before the pandemic hit. I was looking at places to to start an art gallery, 
and I wanted an art gallery that focused on nothing but black and brown art. And there was a place that opened up um, kind of off like, I guess it's Divine Street, but going towards like whatever. But the building was like right next to Maurice's barbecue. I said barbecue. I don't know how to turn Boston all of a sudden, but it was right next to Maurice's. And I was like, man, fuck, I can't have a place that's right beside Maurice's. Then the more I thought about it, I was like, that'd be the best place for it to be at. Because I'm going to have this black ass art gallery <laughs> beside this racist ass place. I thought I thought it was funny. I didn't I didn't end up going forward with it or whatever. But I just thought that that was kind of like a hilarious thing. But, you know, um, but, you know, I think that's the thing about South Carolina, right, is that. I remember when Questlove came here, when the Roots played here at the fair years ago. Roots was like my favorite group. Questlove was going on Twitter, just completely dogging out Columbia. Like he was driving, he's like, yo, there's a strong Thurman building. <laughs> it was like, they named the building after Strong Thurman. He'll tweet again like, yo, there's a street name after Strom Thurmond. Yo, there's a Confederate flag. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, it's somebody that's from here. It, it's, I, I tell you this, and this is how I feel about it. You ever seen a movie called The Last Black Man in San Francisco? Yes. Oh, yes. my God. It's such a great film. Yo, so great. I, I felt like that year, that was the best movie that came out that year. And, and I wrote a column, I wrote a review about it. Man, I felt like Jonathan Majors should have gotten a Best Supporting Actor nomination. Yeah. I, I think it should have gotten a Best Original Screenplay. It should have gotten Best Cinematography nominated. I think it, there's like at least four Oscar nominations it should have got. I don't give a fuck if they won it, but they should have been acknowledged. But there was that line when old buddy was on the train and those white girls were talking about how much they hate San Francisco and all this type of shit and just complaining about this and that. And he's just like, yo, are you from here? And they was like, what? And he's like, are you from here? And they was like, nah, we're from such and such. And he's just like, you can't talk shit or hate this place unless you're from here and you love it. And that's how I feel about Columbia. It's like, you know, I hate the sentiment that white folks try to do when black people complain about something about an area where it's like, if you don't love it here, just go away. Like, fuck you. This is my place too, right? This is my home too, right? And nobody complains more than, than like, you know, white folks that think that, you know, there's too many black people, too many Mexicans. And apparently they think too many women with too many rights. So it's like nobody ever tells those white people to go somewhere else. But all of a sudden when we want to say something and I feel like if you really love a place, you really got to call it out on its bullshit because nobody else is going to give a fuck about it that much if they're not from there. And that's what I always feel about the city, you know, so. When they made me like an ambassador, it sounds really corny because I'm like, oh, I'm not getting a free scattered, smothered and covered from Waffle House as an ambassador. But when I think about it, I take that shit to heart because it's just like I'm really dedicated to being the defense attorney for for this city. And then when the city and when the city do wrong, I'm the motherfucking prosecutor all day long. You know what I mean? So it's a weird, unique thing that I think happens from being from here. It's like you, you love it, but you gotta hate it to love it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I don't know, but yeah, Maurice's yeah. the the thing about us is that we drive past this shit so much that we don't even think about it anymore and how fucked up it is. You know, Ugh. right? These are the things that because if we thought about it all the time, we'd be really angry. Oh, absolutely, really angry, and then that anger would turn into rage. Absolutely. And 
you know, that doesn't, that doesn't always help with our healing. You know, it helps with our healing when we're like, okay, I acknowledge this pain and I'm doing the work to make sure that this doesn't pain me anymore. And to see it just for what it is, a symbol. Like I have a, and I think we mentioned this, or I mentioned this to you before. I love cotton. Mm -hmm. I think it's so pretty. Cotton fields are so beautiful to me. But I had to come to terms and like heal from knowing like, well, this is, you know, (laughs) this is the crop that, you know, and like you said earlier about your parents that they both pick cotton. My, my dad did, Mm -hmm. but my grandparents would not let my mom and her sisters, my aunts pick cotton. They were like, you will not be out in the field and you will not be cleaning anyone's house. Mm -hmm. And so I think that started something for me. Like I can look at this thing and know that like, it's pretty and it has, you know, this, this history behind it, but I still wear cotton t-shirts every day and cotton underwear. (laughs) But you ain't picked that motherfucker to to make it happen, (laughs) you know, but you know what it is, is here's the thing that white folks don't understand about black people in America. It's, it's like, it's like, they think that black people are really, really angry about the past. Like we're going to burn shit down and this and this and that. And black people historically in this country, we just want to be left the fuck alone. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. like, like and black people are so quick. We'll invite you to we'll invite you to our churches. We'll invite you to our cookouts. Like we do that shit. We're a very loving group of people. All you gotta do is make an effort, right? If a, if a white dude come to a, a black cookout and we playing Frank and Beverly and Maze, he ain't even gotta dance good. As long as he made an effort, we fuck with him, right? We go, oh, white Mike. You know what I'm saying? We fuck with you, right? And so, I think historically, say it again. He said white Mike. I mean, hey, whatever whatever your first name is, we're going to put white in front of it. And it's like a term of endearment, you know. But the, what, what I, what I, the only thing we ask is just don't bullshit us with the bullshit, right? It's like, it's like don't act like these things are a figment of our imagination. Don't act like when we talk about that we getting pulled over by cops and we getting killed more at a higher rate. Don't act like we making that shit up. You know what I'm saying? Are there cop cars outside? Is that an ambulance? What's going on? Oh, that's my house. Oh, please call. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm in the woods. Okay, so. I got these like noise canceling joints. It's like oh, it's a fire truck. I was playing my mixtape. Um, but <laughs> anyways, <laughs> thank you for humoring, for humoring me. A lot of these things are like we're not. Yes, there are certain things that need to be fixed mm-hmm. that really need to be fixed, but. The biggest thing with like healing is just the acknowledgement that hey, this happened and it wasn't okay, and we're sorry. Exactly, and that and that's and that's all we want. It's like when you hear that law um, law officials in Texas are trying to change history books to change the word slavery to involuntary housing or some shit like that. It's like yo, like yeah, y'all doing that to make y'all feel better. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying and and that becomes a frustrating thing it's like just listen to us when we're telling y'all that this is wrong and 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 I think that when you start listening to these people they they don't like how many times as a black man we have to explain to motherfuckers what we deal with what we feel and my friend said this to me he said you ain't gotta explain yourself because they know they just don't care 
You know what I mean? It's 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 the fact that, and I'm not going to go in and touch this because I think we're going to have another way of, of having you communicate about this, but like Roe v. Wade, the fact that 50 years ago we've had more rights for women than we do now, it's like a country or people in certain places are just like, yo, we don't care about how you feel. <laughs> you know what I mean? We have these agendas that, that this this is one of those rare things that the majority of the country agrees. Like, yeah, like women should have the right for this, but yet legislation goes against it. You know what I mean? And I think that, you know, live, coming from the South, we feel a lot of those similar type of things where it's just like this Jim Crow, this, these gerrymandering, there's all these things that happen to suppress black folks that when we get to certain levels and we say, Hey, y'all were pretty much assholes to us about this. And they just like, Oh, you're making this up. And it becomes terrible when it's like black politicians acting like, we don't know what happened, Tim Scott. But I digress. I'm not going to get into all that shit. I want to, I, I want to be on the same Avenue of healing. You said an amazing word, healing, healing. I want to end this talk with healing. So I'm going to say one thing, tell us, if people want to know more about what you're doing and want to help or support whatever you're doing, um, where can they find you? Where can they support your efforts and the things that you're doing? Please drop all your promotional things right here. Okay. Uh, this is when I feel like we need, um, we need a sound effect. What's that? Burr, 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 burr. I'll, I'll add it. I'll, you know, I'll post produce it. So, you know, the mixtape drops now. <laughs> 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 Nik- yo your band name is called Nakia and the Phoenixes you just have a bunch of women wearing like you know what I'm saying Phoenix Suns jerseys with, with the with the instruments that's what you gotta do yo Nick- Nikki and the Phoenixes what nigga I got you <laughs> oh my goodness yeah I mean listen I'm, yeah I, it sounds like a great idea mm-hmm. I got you bam 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 Sometimes I just want, I know that there's an app that can do that. I just want to walk into places and like play that. Everyone look at me like, what in the world? Don't worry. I I, I got you. I got you. I got you. So Christmas cometh. I got you. (laughs) It's going to be a little thing that yeah, like several buttons that have different sounds on them. And that's going to be one of them. And and, uh, and one of the other buttons is going to be on one of them. And the other button's going to go bing bong. So yeah, I got oh, you. Okay. <laughs> See, New Yorkers, I did something for you guys, but yeah, that's oh yeah, I'm a bing bong it. So 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 tell us about your mixtape. <laughs> so yeah, the mixtape drops. Um, so let me let me actually drop into my quiet storm voice. Um, <laughs> over the weekend, I was listening to yacht rock and uh, '90s R&B and Quiet Storm. So I'm definitely in the mood for this, um, but I'm uh, I'm a guided meditation person. I definitely love to share guided meditations. It's my jam. I'm also a crystal Reiki master, so I put my love for mantras and affirmations um, into this new project. And the new project is like you mentioned at the top of the show. The Nikia Phoenix Lifestyle Journal. Sorry. Which doesn't go with the quiet storm. I gotta do that. So I wanted to create everything that we do um, in the past like 15 years has been so digital. And I wanted to create something that was really tangible 
So this this journal, it's not something you can get digitally. Um, you actually have to buy it, and you can feel it. It's it's this small like publication that's got a lot of love to it, self love rituals in it. Um, powerful stories from women that I know and admire. And I share some of my own words as well. Um, I believe that it's really important for women to know that we are divine, to know that we are, you know, of the heavens, yet we live on this earth. And so the work that I'm doing now is really to ground us and fortify us in our in our divinity and get back to our true selves. So if you want to pick up the Nakia Phoenix lifestyle journal, you can order it on my website at nakiaphoenix.com and trying to drive more people to the website because we've allowed these other platforms to like take over our lives Mm -hmm. and we're missing all the goodness and the traffic of having something of our own. So come to to nakiaphoenix.com. Absolutely. And get the journal, you can hear meditations and, you know, if you want to meditate with me, I've got this wonderful summer solstice meditation that's live. It's just, you know, I like doing these these things. So not just digital, something tangible and also in person. So working on self-love sessions, um, it's a really special in-person experience. So working on that and a couple other things. So like I love to say, if you see me in these streets... At least give a head nod, say what's up, and uh, you know, let's connect in real life, IRL, instead of just uh, online. So, do you have any of these journals with you? Because I would love to buy one. I sure do. I sure do. Right. You know, I'm like, the, I'm like the dude who uh, goes from barbershop to like beauty salon, <laughs> like Fridays, Saturdays, um, with the you know the bootleg DVDs. These aren't bootleg. You know, got no. these printed shit, but. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna act, I'm not gonna allow you to act like you're D Ray on barbershop walking in with with, with DVDs. <laughs> you walk into any barbershop, that shit gonna go and nigga be like, he be like, I had these for sale. Nigga be like, how much? So please don't act like you trying to sell a mixtape to niggas. It's not the same. No, like I could pop up in the trunk and like, you know, I got I got crystals, I got oils, I got these. <laughs> What you mean? Yo, yo, you got that African musk? Like, yo, you got an amethyst, nigga? I need an amethyst. Which, right, by the way, when we're done, I got, I got something for you. I'm gonna tell you something. But um, but um, would you? Yeah, would, that's me. Yeah, I can pop open the trunk and like, you know, I got you. What you need? Well, you need some incense matches. You need some Palo Santo. I, I, I do need some Palo because I was, I was um, lighting it for the interview, and this is like my last one. So I need some Palo. If you got whatever you got, I'll buy whatever you got before you get out of here. Because at this rate, I'm not going to see you until 2032 because we're going every 10 years. You know what I mean? Um, so, so, okay, well, well I, I hope that it's not every 10 years. Well, I, but, you know. I, I hope not either. Like, let's cut it in half. You know. Um, here's what I would say, though. Um, do you have a mantra or an affirmation that you want to end the pod with that our listeners can hear and be motivated. It doesn't have to be long, mm-hmm. but it can be something that we can give our two listeners. Hey mom, uh, an idea of, of, uh, what to expect. I, you know, I'm trying to do my smooth voice mm-hmm. too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. So an affirmation, um, 
that we're turning into a mantra. Mantra. Um, I am worthy of elevation. I am worthy of the mountaintop. I am worthy of elevation. I am worthy of the mountaintop. I am worthy of elevation. I am worthy, worthy of, of the, the mountaintop. mountaintop. All right. How how often should someone say that when they're when they're trying to be motivated and having their meditation sessions? Like, what would you recommend? You know, I recommend I recommend starting off in the morning mm-hmm. with this mantra. Mm-hmm. Just continue to say it to yourself. Close your eyes. Slip into meditation. And allow yourself to get quiet and the echo of that mantra to resonate through your being. And then feel the light surround you, knowing that that is actually your truth. And when you feel moments during the day where you're slipping, where someone's challenging you, where you're not feeling your best, or where you're feeling like you need to bring yourself down to another level, don't allow yourself to slip. Remember that you are worthy of elevation and you are worthy of the mountaintop. Now go tell it on the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming up the rough side on the mountain. Remember that BET commercial at the end? Of the day, it was like, it's morning time. Yes. Who in the hell left the gate open? Um, all right. I'm going to end this, but then I got something for you when I get done with the interview. But uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, once again, this is the Negro Lee Podcast. I go by the name of Preach Jacobs. Go to MoBetterSoul.com. Enter code Negro to save 10% on your next order. Just go to the website and buy something, please. I got four or five kids. I need to I need to feed all my kids and my baby mama and her other kids so I just don't bring McDonald's just for my kids. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to help feed all the children. So please buy something from MoBetterSoul.com. Go to NakiaPhoenix.com and buy everything she's selling, okay? Don't wait for her to come to the barbershop. Buy whatever she's selling. Give it to her. She deserves it. She deserves to be on that mountaintop. Anyways. <laughs> I forgot what the mantra was. But anyways, um, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for checking out uh, Mo Better Soul. Thank you all for checking out the Negro League. And uh, we'll be back when I have a cool guest with some shit to say. Love you all. Peace.